0: Okay, our reading today is Psalm 141. I call to you, Lord, come quickly to me. Hear me when I call to you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips, Do not let my heart be drawn to what is evil, so that I take part in wicked deeds, along with those who are evildoers. Do not let me eat their delicacies. (laughs) Let a righteous man strike me, that is a kindness. Let him rebuke me, that is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it, for my prayer will still be against the deeds of evildoers. Their rulers will be thrown down from the cliffs, and the wicked will learn that my words were well-spoken. They will say as one plows and breaks up the earth, so our bones have been scattered at the mouth of the grave. But my eyes are fixed on you, sovereign Lord. In you I take refuge. Do not give me over to death. Keep me safe from the traps set by evildoers, from the snares they have laid for me. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by in safety. Lord, we just thank you for your word, and we just pray that you would open it to our minds, our hearts, and our lives. We thank you for every person in this room, and the joy we have of worshiping you together, and we just pray that we would leave this room under your protection. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. <laughs> well, good morning again. If you don't know me, I'm Matt. I'm one of the pastors here Uh, And I just have the privilege of uh, sharing with you in God's word today. Uh, Today, we're we're in a series called um, Cries of the Heart. It's a study on Psalms. And we have this week and two more weeks of Psalms uh, before we kick off our fall series called Wise Up, which will be on Proverbs, uh, applying uh, God's wisdom to our everyday life. So, here, the psalm we have today, we do a number of different kinds of songs, different kinds of prayers contained within the book of Proverbs, and we're studying different sorts of prayers, hoping to broaden our own prayer life. Today's psalm is a prayer of protection. I picture it being prayed uh, as one walks out into their day. You're walking out into a world full of potential dangers and pitfalls. It's like you stop for a moment to pray the Lord's protection over you. Now, in the ancient world in which this was written uh, thousands of years ago, there's a lot of things to fear. When they would go out, there was some danger of being torn apart by wild beasts, being attacked by enemy armies, being subject to various diseases. But the main fear and the most common thing that you see prayed against is the danger posed by everyday interactions with evil people. Robbers, thieves, conmen, bullies. Someone who would use their superior strength or numbers or intellect to take advantage of weaker people. It's a major theme in the Old Testament. It's a major focus of the prayers in the book of Psalms. And so we see in the very first verse the author prays, I call to you, Lord. Come quickly to me. Hear me when I call to you. There's some urgency to this prayer. Oh, God, come quickly. Don't, don't be slow. I need you. I'm going to pray this prayer. I need you to show up and be with me in my life. And then you see a prayer of protection. And I want to take it piece by piece, and then we're going to read it at the end, and I hope that it just pops and comes alive to you all the more for having spent time uh, taking it piece by piece. So I want to actually start in the second half of it uh, because that's the more traditional prayer of protection, and we'll come back to the early verses which really make the psalm stand out. So we'll go to uh, the second half of verse 5, and it says this, For my prayer will still be against the deeds of evildoers. Their rulers will be thrown down from the cliffs, and the wicked will learn that my words were well spoken. So so there's this ongoing conflict with these wicked people that are doing their wicked things. We don't quite know yet what that is, but we're going to find out. But there's these wicked schemes, these wicked behaviors that are causing people harm, and apparently the psalmist has tried to confront them tried to say something, has spoken against, hey, this thing that you're doing is wrong, it's messed up, you should stop. And they have rejected his words. They, 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 they regard his, well, his words as disposable. They say, oh God, by your power, would you come and knock some sense into these people that they would see the wisdom in the words that I have spoken And then it says this in verse eight. But my eyes are fixed on you, sovereign Lord. In you I take refuge, meaning my safety. I find my safety in you. I take refuge. Do not give me over to death. Keep me safe from the traps set by evildoers, from the snares that they have laid for me. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by In safety, there's this refrain uh, with these similar uh, words as traps and snares and nets. So let's ask the question what is the deal with all this imagery about nets? Nets and snares and traps, like what is going on there? There's this constant refrain God, keep me from their nets. To get a little bit of context for this, I actually want to take us to a different psalm because this is actually a common theme in the Old Testament and I want you to have a kind of a flavor for how else this is used and you'll have a sense for what's being prayed in 141, which we're studying today. So I'm going to go briefly to Psalm 10 and you can listen to this. Okay, so Psalm 10, verse 2, it's describing the ways of the wicked person. In his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak. Some translations are the poor. In his, wick, in his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak who are caught in the schemes he devises. He boasts about the craving in his heart. There's this constant theme about the wicked people having cravings for possessions and wealth and, 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 and rich food and So, the schemes are devised as a way to obtain this craving. Go down to 7b. Trouble and evil are under his tongue. He lies in wait in the villages. From ambush, he murders the innocents. His eyes watch in secret for his victims. Like a lion in cover, he lies in wait to catch. The helpless. Or he lies in wait to catch the helpless. He catches the helpless and drags them off in his net. His victims are crushed. They collapse. They fall under his strength. And he says to himself, God will never notice. He covers his face like God covers his face. He never sees. And then the psalmist prays, arise, Lord, lift up your hand, O God, do not forget the helpless. And so you see, there is actual, like, a literal use of the nets that apparently in the day there would be people having to travel from village to village for commerce or visiting relatives, whatever reason they would be. They'd be on walking trails, they could be on roads, and primarily. They are walking. They don't have they don't have cars then. They don't have carriages. Most of them don't have any kind of horses. They they are just walking along the paths. And robbers would set ambushes and nets were a common thing. And they might net be might up in a tree, weighted down by rocks, where they could pull it. It would come down on somebody. But more often, it's spread along the ground covered with leaves, right? And so you see a lot of times in scripture metaphors talking about flatterers or like spreading a net for their feet. What's all referencing back to this common ambush practice of robbers that someone is walking along unsuspectingly, they step onto the net and whether it's automatically triggered or whether they're there to pull something and it sweeps them up, knocks them off their feet where the robbers can come and assail them and assault them and steal from them. And so the nets of various kinds, nets and snares and traps are a literal menace of robbers on the road that people had to be careful about. And and people might be walking along the road looking for signs of of a trap. Does that pile of leaves look suspicious? I'm going to walk around it. But there's always this danger of this, this net catching you up. But But this idea of a net because of this experience that people had began to be used also as a metaphor for any schemes of evil people to take advantage of other people. So if there's some kind of shady business deal that's proposed to you, be careful. That might be a net spread for your feet to come and catch you up and assail you. And so the the, the net spread for the feet is any kind of scheme like that as I've uh, tried to think about how do I apply this to my life? Thankfully, at the moment, I don't know of any nefarious gang plotting to kill me. Okay? I've never feared someone literally catching me in a net. So how do we think about this? How do we apply this prayer to our lives today? Maybe those of you that are students and you're going to school, maybe there are bullies there. Maybe there's bullies in your workplace. There's fear of literal muggings. But there's also the the metaphorical meaning of this, any kind of deceitful scheme. I think our world is full of those, right? Think about all the schemes we face. Predatory lenders. Ponzi schemes. Theft of your retirement accounts. Computer viruses, ransomware, people out there designing ways to take over your computer to lock up your files unless you pay them a bribe, identity theft. There's constant internet scams. A Nigerian prince once reached out to me. And said he needs a place to, uh, to store his millions safely. And might my checking account be available for that? If I would just provide my numbers. Have any of you ever uh, heard from this Nigerian prince? You're familiar. You're familiar, right? Another uh, variation of this internet scam. Uh, this one is, is uh, a joke these folks play on pastors and churches where they impersonate the pastor. This has happened to me in every church that I have worked for, every church where I've been a pastor, some delightful human being makes a series of fake email addresses, Pastor Matt's, you know, and then sends uh, emails to people in the congregation. And it always goes, no matter, through the years, it's always some variation of this. Dear person in the congregation, uh, I need you to help me out with something. I want to go visit someone who's sick in the hospital. And so could you please go out and buy me $600 gift cards? Uh, I'd do it myself, but I'm too busy praying. <laughs> now, I don't know. I hope none of you have never fallen for that. I swear to you, that is not me. Um, uh, and, uh, but somehow they, they, they keep doing this and churches are always trying to create some kind of scheme to use people's own affections against them. One particularly bad one, I remember uh, these real, real nice characters uh, called up my beloved grandmother and uh, impersonated my brother and said, Grandma, Grandma, I need your help. I'm in prison in Panama. And uh, I shouldn't have been down here, but, you know, don't tell my dad, but I'm in prison and I I need money to get out on bail. Could you please wire some money and use the relationship between my grandmother and my brother to draw money from her? These are schemers and it makes you so mad, right? But they're just preying on people, any kind of vulnerability. I don't know if I get scammed when I go to a car repair shop. But sometimes I go in and I I saw a coupon, an oil change for $29.99. I think that's fantastic. I got $30 to spare, so I go in for an oil change. But you know what happens after that? I find out that my car needs $9,000 in repair. Or I might die in a fiery wreck. And I don't know, wow, geez, I don't know, you know? But you never know, are they telling you the truth, or is it kind of some way of taking advantage of your lack of information, right? We live in a world like this, don't we? We live in a world that's still full of nefarious schemes and still people out there trying to spread nets to catch us up in some kind of scheme or some kind of trap. And in verse 10, in verse 10, it prays, let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by in safety. Lord, may the, may the traps they lay, may they somehow fall into those and then I get away. I absolutely love watching videos of the people that go after some of these scammers and try to, try to you know, get them back and send, send the, the scammers the glitter bombs or whatever that explode in their call centers. There's all sorts of tricks that people do trying to strike back at these folks. But this is a prayer, oh God, I'm going out into a world where there's some shady people doing some shady things, trying to take advantage of an unsuspecting person. Oh God, would you protect me from their schemes? May they backfire and trap themselves. May I pass by in safety. And in a world like that, where there's literal nets trying to, trying to trip you up and trap you, Your eyes could easily become glued to the ground, become glued to the fears around you. But the psalmist does something interesting here in verse eight. He says, but my eyes are fixed on you, sovereign Lord. In you, I take refuge. Do not give me over to death. I think because of the scary things in the world, we end up spending way too much time focused on the scary things. If you think about it, pretty much every news program that you watch, I imagine the people the, the, sitting around like, what, what should we put in the news, right? There's like six or eight, I don't know how many billions of people there are in the world. Is it eight? The like 8 billion? There's a lot of billions of people in the world today, right? A lot of things happened, but the news, the news people have to say, well, what's like the five things we're going to say is news today, right? And I think they must sit around and say, well, what's the five scariest things that happened in the world? Let's put that in front of people, right? So we're surrounded by people stoking our fears and nearly every like political ad or every kind of like sales ad seems to stoke our fears, well, the psalmist begins with the assumption there's a lot of stuff to actually be scared of in the world. But my focus is not going to be on that. My focus is going to be on the Lord. And in particular, he says, sovereign Lord, meaning you are king. Meaning you are in charge of everything. None of this kind of stuff can happen without you. Okay, Oh, God, you actually are in control of the universe. And my life is not ultimately in these bozos' hands. My life is in yours'. And so I'm going to look at you, O sovereign Lord. Even as I know I face dangers around me, my eyes will be focused on you and trust in you for my safety. And so in verse 9, we see, it says, Keep me safe from the traps set by evildoers, from the snares they've laid for me. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by in safety. Essentially, you could summarize this whole section as Lord, defend me from the world. Lord, defend me from the world. And I find myself praying that sometimes for myself, I've had occasions in which I've been in the, uh, a, a, a wrong part of town or a wrong region late at night or uh, experiencing some kind of weird car difficulty or danger and praying, oh God, keep me safe, see me through this. Protect me from muggings. I've been alone in a forest late at night. Oh, God, protect me from bears, from mountain lions, God. We've all prayed this prayer for us, ourselves, and loved ones. Oh, Lord, protect us from disease. I think I end up praying this prayer most often for my children. Oh, Lord, today I drop my daughters off at school. Please expel all the boys. Your boys expelled this year, it's because I prayed for it to happen. <laughs> Lord, defend my children from bullies. Lord, defend them from mean words. Lord, defend them from evil. This is a most common prayer that we see, a most, most common prayer of protection is: Lord God, protect me from the world. What I think is really fascinating about this particular psalm in Psalm 141 is it has another angle for part of it in some of the early verses. It's not just, Lord, protect me from the world. It's, Lord, protect the world from me. Verse 3, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart be drawn to what is evil so that I take part in wicked deeds. Right? I might become part of the problem, oh God, this wicked world. And Lord, defend me from doing that. Defend the world from the actions that I might do. And it starts with guarding my lips. Put a guard over my mouth. Now, this one is super easy for me to relate to. Because I have made a whole lifetime out of putting my foot in my mouth. I have said some really stupid things. But every story that I brainstorm on this, I've crossed out. I don't want to say I've said so many dumb things. We all have, right? We all have some, some proclivity to saying things about other people and gossip or slander. We all get grumpy and sometimes become just really negative and critical about everything. We've all told lies. We've all said insults, maybe something crude or vulgar I know when I get stressed, one problem that I personally have is I get really short with people. If I'm just like in the zone, I'm like, oh, I am stressed. They might, they might, you know, ask me something. I, just, ah, just, I just, I'm just, I'm just trying to stay focused. I just say some kind of really short answer. I'm not meaning to, but my words can wound and I have to take ownership over all of that. Sometimes some kind of biting sarcasm might come out of our lips and do some kind of damage that we don't even know. Jesus knew this. Jesus, in Matthew 15, he was in a conversation with uh, local religious leaders that were criticizing uh, the uh, the disciples for what they were eating and not washing their hands. And he says, it's not what goes into a man that makes him unclean. It's what comes out of him. It's not the food or the dirt that comes inside of you that's ultimately going to make you unclean. It's the words that come out of you that are really going to be polluting your hearts. So the prayer is, oh Lord, set a guard over my mouth. Can you imagine going out the door in the morning, God, keep me from saying something stupid today. <laughs> keep me from wounding somebody else. Lord, when, that, when that, that moment comes in which I have an instinct to just spew out venom and lava on the people around me, oh God, would you help me stay silent? And then verse four, do not let my heart be drawn to what is evil so that I take part in wicked deeds along with those who are evildoers, right? It's a profound awareness of self. A lot of us have, have struggled to think like this. We think those are the bad guys. I'm always a good guy. What they do is bad. Anything that I do is just easily excusable, right? But here he's aware of himself. He's saying, I might actually do something evil, I might hurt somebody with my actions. The enemy's not just out there. The enemy is also inside of me. And it begins with my heart. There's another like, profound part of, of self-awareness there is, is the evil that comes out of us. It doesn't just happen instantly. We're not just going along and then this, oh, look, now I'm doing evil. There's this process of our heart moving towards evil before our actions, this process by which our hearts start to think, you know what, that evil action, you know that kind of is uh, somewhat appetizing to me. Let me play with it in my mind. Let me, let me smile on that. Let me think about the possible outcomes. Let, let me just kind of marinate in the thoughts of evil. And then we later find ourselves doing it. And he's saying, Lord, 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 let my heart not be drawn to evil. And then there's this really interesting. The last uh, the last line in that verse is super interesting. It says, "Do not let me eat their delicacies." Did you guys notice that one when I read at the beginning? "Do not let me eat their delicacies." What is that? There are some earlier translations that translate this: "Do not let me eat their dainties." <laughs> what is that? God protect me from eating dainties. Well, apparently, the wicked, you see this uh, uh, throughout the song the, the wicked are pictured as having feasts. So they go out and they rob people, they they spread their net, they, they, they take somebody down, they beat them up, they take all of their money, they go into town, they throw a party. They buy all the fancy food, they buy the drink, they buy the fancy... Uh, uh, you know, a, a hospital, everything they could do to be hospitable. They throw a big uh, feast and banquet. They are the party guys and everyone's having fun. So apparently, the psalmist is praying, Oh Lord, don't let me eat their caviar, their dom perignon. I had to look up how to pronounce that. Their Kobe beef sliders, oh God. Why is this author praying against eating the fancy food? What well, seems to be paid for. By the evil, the ill-gotten gains, the con jobs, the dishonest business deals, the theft. It's paying for these fancy foods. He's afraid that if he tastes their caviar, he'll begin to like it, and then he'll begin to need it, and then he'll start to do evil things in order to obtain it. This reminds me of the C.S. Lewis book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, when the evil witch gives the Turkish delights to Edmund. So I was, I was telling this story to uh, a woman on our staff earlier this week and to protect her identity, I'll just refer to her as like Blue McBinney, okay? Uh, I don't want to embarrass her, so we'll just call her Blue McBinney. And I'm trying to explain this, uh, this moment to Blue McBinney and I say, explain about the Turkish delights. She has no idea because she's never read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe*. Can you believe that? How many people think she should read it? Uh, pretty, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Now, it turns out she did. She did in the last few days. Stop laughing. You're going to give yourself away. <laughs> but essentially, so for all the other blue McBinnies in the room, I want to just give you a sense of, of what the story is. The evil queen of Narnia, in order to ensnare a young human, gives him this enchanted enchanted Turkish delight. And it's, like a, it's like a candy that's like, you know, gelatinous and covered in powdered sugar. It's actually, It's okay. As long as you don't say the word gelatinous. And, you, and, you, and she gives it to him and he tastes it. It's like the best thing he's ever tasted. This is amazing. I love it. Can I have some more? And she gives him a few pieces. But little does he know that it has an addictive quality and he'll, be, he'll become so addicted to it that he needs it. And he begins to compromise his integrity. He begins to sell out his own family for the craving of this Turkish delight. The psalmist is essentially articulating this trap. He's like, oh God, some of these fruits of evil might be enticing. I might, I might just love that lifestyle so much that I just, I factor that in that, that I have to have it, God. And I'll just orient my life to achieve it. He's like, oh God, protect me from ever tasting this Turkish delight. And then verse five, verse five is awesome. Okay. And super surprising. It's a prayer that someone would hit him, okay? Verse five, let a righteous man strike me. That is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. That is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it. You ever prayed something like that? Oh God, knock me upside the head. I wonder, I had a friend uh, one time, his name, he was a, a Franciscan monk and he had, you know, sworn this, these oaths of uh, poverty, chastity, and obedience, and just really fascinating guy. And I, one time, I asked him to to pray for me. This is the last time I asked him to pray for me, because he started praying. Oh God, would you please send Matt profound suffering in his life? And I like open my eyes and I'm like, what? No, 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 don't listen to this guy, right? I'm trying to figure out how to end the prayer, you know? And he's like, well, that, that it would teach him and build his character, God, you know, send your plagues upon him. I'm like, no, stop it. Stop it, what are you doing, right? Well, this is a prayer, it's not for general suffering, but particularly it's like, God, if I'm, if I'm starting to go astray, if my, if my heart is starting to go the wrong direction and I'm starting to taste the delicacies and the turkey salad, I'm starting to get addicted to that. My heart's starting to gravitate towards that evil way of life. Oh God, send a righteous man to knock me upside my head and I will treat that as a kindness. Let him give me a sharp rebuke. Tell me that I'm wrong. That would be oil for my head. What's the deal with the oil? The oil, What that? Oil for my head. Well in the ancient world there was world there was oil uh, anointed on heads for a number of reasons we're n- normally Thinking of the consecration of a priest or a prophet or a king, something like that. But it was actually also an act of hospitality. If someone was to come over to your home, someone who had the means could could anoint their head with a, a fragrant oil, and it was it would kind of help actually kind of help their hair shine and, and have a healthy glow and also a, a fragrant smell. And it was it was just an act of kindness and of hospitality. And it seems to refer here maybe back to that party, that feast that the evil people are having because the, the guests at the party where they're eating the fancy delicacies, uh, they're getting anointed with, with great oil as active, active, profound hospitality. But he's saying, I'm not gonna go to that party where I'm always led astray. Instead, the oil on my head, is <laughs> gonna be the righteous man striking my head because it's gonna set me back on the right path. It's gonna, I'm gonna be going the wrong way. Oh God, would you please put me back on the right road, even if it takes some righteous person coming and having some hard words with me. I think of my, uh, I, I always think when I think of this kind of hard correction, which by the way, this is gonna be a major theme of the fall series, Wise Up, the Proverbs, is how do we receive wisdom and correction even when it's difficult? But I, re- I remember this uh, experience with my dad. I was a senior in high school and I, and I lied to somebody to, to get out of trouble. And I felt bad about that. I really wanted to be an honest person, but I had totally told totally a lie to get myself and friend out of trouble. And I was feeling so bad about it, I went to my dad and I said, Dad, I, I told a lie and I'm feeling terrible about it. And I think what I was hoping for was my dad giving me comfort and saying, well, that's good that you feel bad. It means your conscience conscious working. Good for you, right? But my dad did not give me a pat on the back for confessing my lie and saying I felt bad. He's like, well, are you gonna go tell the truth tomorrow? I'm like, no, no, we're get in trouble. I can't tell the truth. So then he realizes my son doesn't feel bad enough. And he just said to me, wow, well, Matt, I've always thought your word was above reproach. I guess I was wrong. And he walked away. I was like, oh, and I was like crushed. And at first I'm mad at him. Like, oh, he's making, I feel bad. He's making me feel worse. Oh my gosh, right? But I just told him, I'm not gonna tell the truth. <laughs> right? I'm gonna just sit in the lie. And actually, what it ended up doing for me is it, it helped me see it is important to tell the truth, even if it costs me something. It's not just you tell the truth when it costs you nothing, right? You know what I did the next day is I went to the person and I told the truth through tears and through fear of reprise. I told the truth. My friend and I, we got in trouble, but we told the truth, Right? And I actually, I look back on that, even though it was kind of like a, a harsh word at the moment, I look back on that with profound gratitude to my dad. He's like, you know what? In this moment, he actually needs to, a little kick in the pants to get back on the right, the right road. And here, this is the psalmist saying, oh God, this is so important to me. Even if it's a harshness, oh God, would you please send it to me? So just to summarize this whole psalm, it's a prayer of protection. It's an urgent prayer. Oh, God, I'm going out into a world of danger. And there's all these people out there, God. There's all these people out there spreading nets for my feet. There's tricksters, there's connors, there's bullies, there's thieves, oh, God. And they're just out there trying to trap us. Oh, God, would you protect me from their schemes so that they fall into their traps and I can watch, walk safely by And Lord, I might be tempted to become one of these people. Would you guard my mouth? And Lord, my heart might be tempted if I taste their delicacies. Oh God, would you protect me from that temptation? And any time that I start going astray, oh God, send some righteous person in my life to give me a hard word for you and help me get back on the right road. I will receive that from you as a kindness here's how I think you can use this psalm. Just a challenge for you. If any of you would like to take me up on it, go go for it. You could print this psalm. You can look it up on BibleGateway.com or anywhere where you have an online Bible. Print, this is Psalm 141, print it and just tape it to the inside of your front door, the door that you go out into your day every day. And you can just just pause. It doesn't take but a minute. And just pause every day before you walk out into 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 the world and just read this psalm as a prayer. Oh God, would you, would you protect me in this way? My mouth, my heart, me from others. Oh God, would you just surround me with your protection? I just challenge you, just try. Maybe the next five days, the, uh, Monday through Friday, just try going out the door having prayed this prayer. I want to invite you to stand. And before we sing our closing song, what we're going to do is we're going to call the scripture back up and we're going to read it all together. And uh, I hope that by spending the time and, and unpacking it, it'll have a lot more meaning for you. So can we call it up on the screen? All right, would you read it with me? I call to you, Lord, come quickly to me. Hear me when I call to you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart be drawn to what is evil so that I take part in wicked deeds along with those who are evildoers. Do not let me eat their delicacies. Let a righteous man strike me. That is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. That is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it for my prayer will still be against the deeds of evildoers. Their rulers will be thrown down from the cliffs, and the wicked will learn that my words were well-spoken. They will say, as one plows and breaks up the earth, so our bones have been scattered at the mouth of the grave. But my eyes are fixed on you, sovereign Lord. In you I take refuge. Do not give me over to death. Keep me safe from the traps set by evildoers, from the snares that they have laid for me. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by in safety. Lord, we thank you for these words. And we thank you most of all that you're a God who can be trusted and who watches out for us. And we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, if any of you want prayer for any reason uh, at all, we're here to pray for you. Uh, we're, we have some folks who will stand up here and they have a little prayer uh, thing and you can just come up to them and pray. Uh, if you're new or newish, uh or just really curious about Taste and See, you're invited uh, over here. And uh, I'll take you around a tour and just let you know. and get you, you can meet some people and see around the place. We'd love to have you. And all the rest of you, you're invited. We've got... Uh, Coffee out there, and we've got a patio with people who want to be your friend. So, I invite you to hang out, stay a while, uh, make a new friend, and we'd love to see you again next week. God bless you.